0: Welcome to the fifth and final episode of Blue Days, an official Chelsea Football Club podcast commemorating the wonderful 1996-97 season, 20 years on. The adventure had started back in the summer, with the appointment of Ruud Hullet as player-manager and a trio of big-name signings arriving to much fanfare shortly afterwards. I had a good feeling, you know, and that is, I think that is something that you have to follow. A promising start under Hullet ensued before tragedy struck in the October when vice-chairman and Chelsea fanatic Matthew Harding died in a helicopter crash travelling back from a game at Bolton.
1: Everybody had an association with him, so it was a tragic time.
0: The following month, Gianfranco Zola arrived, and so began one of English football's great love affairs. His impact instant and enthralling, not least during the epic fourth-round cup win over Liverpool.
2: Now could Zola go from here?
0: That triumph set the club on its way to a second Wembley final in four years. And tales from that sunny day in Northwest London and the build up to it and fallout from it form the last chapter of this podcast documentary series.
3: You had a glimpse that the sleeping giant was awakening.
4: I think Franco was the worst singer. I thought I tried and luckily the goalkeeper had a bit of a sleep and it went in and it was, it was a good start to, to, to a final, I would say.
5: I was going to run to the crowd and I went, no, I'm not
6: doing that. <laughs> I ended up driving around London, flags out the car, up and down the King's Road, Fulham Road.
7: I always repeat, uh, they, they, they asked me so many times what was the best moment, and I kept saying that, uh, you know, winning the first FA Cup, at uh, all, you know, the day after the winning the Cup, uh, going on the Fulham Road with all the crowd. Uh, in there, was uh, was, uh, was amazing.
2: Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea! Chelsea, We're gonna make this a blues, hey.
0: Hey. Hey. La, la, After the wonderful win over Liverpool, a further three FA Cup hurdles had to be overcome before Chelsea stepped out under Wembley's Twin Towers as one of that year's finalists. First up an all-premiership tie against Leicester City. The Blues raced into a two-goal lead at Filbert Street, courtesy of Roberto Di Matteo and Mark Hughes. But after the break, a worryingly familiar shortcoming an inability to defend set pieces was exposed. A header from Steve Walsh and an Eddie Newton-owned goal very late on levelled the scores and forced a Stamford Bridge replay that went right down to the wire and was eventually only decided by a highly controversial decision.
8: New- Johnson, Viali Janssen going in again Penalty for Chelsea All earned by the enterprise of Erland Johnson. Pryor goes to him and As if to say Leicester believed But that was designed just to influence the referee And there's been a miscarriage of justice But a penalty it is And the Norwegian is the main man well, we don't get a good view of that, but I've got great sympathy with Leicester. But it's not over yet. Casey Kell has made some fine saves. They've been looking for his goalkeeper to make another one now. Well, it can be decided by this penalty from Frank LeBarp He scores!
0: By hook or by crook, Chelsea had kept the cup dream alive. I feel one year older. Hullett said afterwards. Things would be altogether more relaxing in the quarterfinals, as 1st Division Portsmouth, conquerors of Leeds United the round before, were brushed aside on the south coast.
8: Anyone close to Mark Hughes, There is Hughes! Well, he's done so much in the FA Cup down the years, and he's on the mark again here. Away goes Minto. Here's Zola. And Clark. Can he follow it in? Well, it's put over by Wise. Really? It's a question of whether it had crossed the line. First and foremost, Clark claiming it. Wise was on hand as well. And the fact of the matter is that Chelsea lead Portsmouth thoroughly, deservedly, to by two goals to nil. couldn't Deal with that. And uh, Mark Hughes is away. Di Matteo in space in the centre, found by Hughes on four. Number three for Chelsea from Jan Franco Zola there was the cool, composed counter-attack and Chelsea will feel that they're into the last four of the FA Cup now oh, back for Burton a goal for Portsmouth drilled in by Dion Burton it's back pass oh, and Knight has kicked it straight to Dennis Wise who waits for Mark Hughes coming on the right pass just forced him wide but Wise is in, thank you very much Chelsea Back in full ascendancy. 4-1, they lead at the Park.
0: Joined in the semi-finals by Wimbledon, Middlesbrough and third-tier Chesterfield, Chelsea were by now heavy favourites to win the competition. But of the three other teams, Wimbledon was the one the fans and players wanted least. The Crazy Gang's robust approach had long proven a thorn in Chelsea's side, not least in the fixture between the teams at Stamford Bridge earlier in the season, won 4-2 by Wimbledon. At Highbury... The venue chosen to host the semi-final, Hulet decided to change tactics to deal with the South Londoners' threat.
9: I knew that what they wanted was their the strikers wanted to go always in, you know, in the channels. They were always going to the outside, heading the ball there, keeping the ball there, and then everybody was going forward, trying to get maybe throw-ins or corner kicks. And uh, I must say, Joe Kinnear, he did it very really well because everybody was underestimating Wimbledon, but Wimbledon was a well-organised machine. They knew exactly where their strength was and where their weaknesses was. So they were all the time doing the same kind of things. Every time, ball to the fullbacks banging it in the channel, chasing the ball there, getting the throw-ins or corner kicks. And there, it was really perfect what they were doing. So Hullet switched from a back three
0: to a back four with a midfield diamond in front of them. It was only the second time in two years Chelsea had lined up in such a formation. Hullet had a few mind games up his sleeve, too.
9: We were playing at uh, Arsenal and they wanted to play... uh, They wanted to have the away uh, uh, locker room because the, the, the away locker room at Arsenal is the first locker room to go to the pitch and Arsenal is in the back. But they were in the back and they have this big ghetto blaster there. So I said to them also... I said, look, they don't want you to play football. They want to kick you in the beginning as hard as you can. What happens if somebody gets kicks, go there immediately with four or five players making a fuss, he gets a yellow card, and then it's finished with him? I said, okay. And then I was thinking about, also what w- what shall we do to do to make them a little bit itchy? Because they have this big ghetto blast, and I thought about it. Okay, why not we get a ghetto blaster and we put some elf especially there or something like that? I said, no, 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 we don't do that. So what we did, I said to them, okay, go first already to the to the corridor. Wait for them. They're coming. And I know exactly they were coming and they were coming screaming through the through that corridor. So what I did, I stayed halfway on their side of the corridor. And I stayed there. And so Vinnie Jones was coming, he said, yeah, they are gonna kick the out of them, whatever. And then he had to pass me. And then he said, hey, Ruth, can I pass them? And I said, hey, Vinnie, how are you doing? Everything okay? Give him a hand, everything, ah, good game. So there, there he was like, calm down a little bit. And I did that <laughs> with every player that passed. So all of a sudden, all that anger was gone. So the first thing what happened in front of us was, they kicked us immediately. The whole team was getting there, <laughs> yellow card, and there the, f- the game was finished and we could play our football.
0: Hulick got it spot on. Frank Leberth and Erland Jonson were imperious in central defence and the impact of Wimbledon's aerial bombardment was further lessened by goalkeeper Frode Grodas' dominance of his penalty area. At the other end, Mark Hughes fired us into a first-half lead and as the cup tie continued to unfold... It was the yellow-shirted side displaying a greater unity of purpose and playing the much better football. Just after the hour, Gianfranco Zola showcased the sport at its very best.
2: Wise, of course, played in that famous victory for Wimbledon in the FA Cup final nine years ago. Di Matteo Zola, brilliant skill by Zola! What a magnificent goal! If that's the goal that takes Chelsea to Wembley, it's worthy of the importance. Brilliant skill by the little Italian. 19 minutes into the second half, look at that. Wrong-footed Dean Blackwell, roll the ball under his foot, and did the rest with his right foot. Magnificent piece of skill from Zola. And Chelsea have increased their
7: lead to 2-0. Roberto the, got the ball uh, at 40 yards from the goal and I made a run uh, parallel to the touchline of the, of the box and the ball was set to me uh, you know, on the run and I didn't know, I couldn't shot to the left and I just uh, tried to turn around and I controlled the ball with the heel. And uh, So as I did, I did it very well and I got one metre. That moment, I just went, went past my defender, and then just uh, took a first touch, and uh, hit uh, with a low, power, a low shot. It was very good. Uh, I think the most important thing was the first touch, because uh, the defender didn't expect uh, anything like that. Plus, it gave me the opportunity, the advantage to take one meter. And, you know, in those situations when you are 20 metres away from the area or at the edge of the box and you take one metres to the defender, it's very difficult to recover.
0: The Italian had yet again come up with a moment of individual brilliance. Club historian Rick Glanville and Trevor Nelson, both North Londoners, fondly recall a very happy day indeed.
3: There was a sense amongst the support that the players were doing it for Matthew Harding, but the magic, the ballet, the beauty was coming from Zola in this entire Cup run. And nothing exemplifies it better, really, than the, the semi-final at Highbury against Wimbledon, a team that, yes, we'd beaten them in the Cup of the year before, but in the league, they would batter us and give us bloody noses and, and the rest of it. What he did with it, in this one... Moment of exquisite cleverness to leave the defender for dead and then pile drive the ball into the corner. You know, I was in the stands that day and it was one of those moments where two arms, everyone in the entire stand, both arms go up in exultation. Not just because it's a, a goal that I think it was a second goal that confirmed that we would win that game against against Wimbledon in that semi-final and we were going to Wembley. But the that we were going there as worthy winners because of the, the beauty of the, of the movement that Zola had,
0: had been a perpetrator of. I was
6: always meant to be an Arsenal fan. I hate Arsenal, by the way, but I was meant to be. I was brought up literally two miles from the ground. All my family support Arsenal. I, I just hated their kit. The first cup final I ever remember seeing on, on telly was them doing a double just about when I was a kid and everyone going mad in the house and I just think, remember Charlie George sliding on his back and thinking, I still don't like him <laughs> so I knew I was a bona fide Chelsea but I liked going to that ground I, I, I did go to that ground quite a few times there's something about, I'm very nostalgic about it and so I stood, I sat in the main stand of that ground and so I was I had a good view of the pitch and, and Wimbledon were never a pushover just their physicality you could never sort No matter, you could be overwhelming favourites against Wimbledon and lose. And so I don't think any of us took it for granted. We felt we had a good enough team to definitely dispatch them, but you still had to do the job. And I, the only thing I remember about that game was a magnificent goal from Zola on the edge of the box. It was on the edge of the box. the Ball came to him, and in a flash, I don't know what he did. I had to watch the replay to see what he did. He did so many instinctive things, but at that point, I screamed at everyone. That's my favourite ever Chelsea goal.
0: Hughes, in front of the clock end and many thousands of delirious Chelsea fans, wrapped up the victory late on. The party could begin.
3: I'm a North Londoner, and that day, the whole of uh, the area, finsbury Park, Crouch End, Eastlington, Stoke Newington, was just absolutely mobbed with Chelsea. And it was, again, one of those moments where you had a glimpse that the, the sleeping giant was awakening.
0: Chelsea's players and fans would have to wait five weeks before the FA Cup final came around, but that didn't stop the build-up to it beginning immediately. What was not known straight away were our Wembley opponents. Middlesbrough and Chesterfield could not be separated in the other semi that had kicked off shortly after the final whistle was blown at Highbury, playing out an engrossing 3-3 draw. Ten days later, Premiership class told as Borough won the replay comfortably. Brian Robson's side had been fighting relegation from the get-go. And though Chelsea's cut run meant a number of rearranged midweek matches in the second half of the season, they paled in comparison with Borough, who finished an exhausting campaign, during which they had also lost the League Cup final, with four games in eight days. They beat Aston Villa at the Riverside first up, but frenetic draws in successive tough away games at Man United, Blackburn and Leeds were not enough. Three points deducted earlier in the season for failing to field a team in the originally scheduled fixture at Ewood Park proved costly. Middlesbrough were relegated by two points. Despite Hullard admitting that everyone was finding it hard to focus on the premiership fixtures because they are choosing the suits and making the record, Chelsea took ten points from the last available 12 on offer to end up sixth. It was a respectable position, but not enough for European football. Only victory at Wembley would secure that. The same occasion three years earlier was still fresh in the memory for many, not least Frank Sinclair and Trevor Nelson.
6: I went three years earlier to the Man United rubbing that we took, even though Gavin Peacock did hit the bar in the first half, <laughs> which we cling on to. Um, I did say to somebody um, at that 94 Cup Final, which is, I can remember all of it. You know, it, it, when you go to your first Cup Final and your team lose, it's so painful. And I remember standing at, at the Cup Final in 94 and thinking, I remember prodding my mate, and we were quite emotional because certain songs came on that you only ever saw on telly mm. and the cup final was such a big deal I was we we actually because it was the old Wembley as well we actually here we actually here we are we are we are we yet. <laughs> are we here oh my god are we here and the first half someone asked me about this um, and I said actually I said it to my ex-missus which was a horrible thing to say she was laughing at me when I came home and I had to explain to her that the first half because she laughed at me she didn't get football I came home flags everything autographed t-shirt I had the whole team's autograph on my shirt it was pouring me rain everything was gone and um, she was laughing I'm 4-0 she didn't realise what football meant to me and I said to her okay can I just say the first 45 minutes of that game were the best 45 minutes of my life at the 15 minutes half time when we were just singing because we were happy it was 0-0 and we weren't losing. That makes sixty minutes. Then we let him four goals in the second half, which was agony, but it's still better than any forty five minutes I've ever spent with you. <laughs> she never, ever criticized
1: Chelsea again.
6: <laughs> I said it tongue in cheek, of course, but it was it was it was
1: tough to take. Me and obviously Eddie Newton as well, very close friends, you know, growing up at Chelsea together, um, both suffered the the painful uh, 94 Cup final. So for us both to be still at the football club and still in and around, playing in the team and and being involved in this cup run, it it just gave us that extra bit of determination to get there. And, um, you know, I remember even when we got to the final, I was happy that we got to the final when we won the semi-final against Wimbledon at at Highbury. But I still had a sense of not achieving anything yet because there was still
0: something for me personally to, to put right. Before all that, there were some traditional cup final rituals to fulfil. The responsibility for ensuring the players looked sharp on the big day fell to Yves Saint-Laurent, who provided the suits to be worn at Wembley. A cup final song, still a convention in those days, was required too. Several bids were made to supply it, but Blue Day, a catchy number written by East Stand season ticket holder Mike Canaris that perfectly soundtracked the life of a Chelsea fan, was chosen. Another regular at the bridge, Suggs, of Madness fame, supplied most of the vocals. Headed into the studios to sing along with Suggs and record the video for the single, with other filming done at the club's Harlington training ground. As Frank LeBerve recalls, it was a fun day.
4: Well, oh, yeah, it was funny. That day was really funny. Um, I think Jim Franco was the
0: worst singer. He <laughs> was the best player, but the worst singer. Blue Day went down well and entered the charts at 26, rising to 22 after the final. Top of the Pops, the legendary music chart television programme, invited Suggs, Pullett, and the players on for a special live performance. But somewhat understandably, the boss declined the offer. Further distractions were not needed, and there were already plenty. Over the course of the season, Chelsea had become one of the most talked about and written about clubs. Demands for interviews, presentations and public appearances had soared, and they only escalated further in the week leading up to the Wembley final, as Dan Petrescu remembers.
10: She was like a dream all the week before the final, I mean, the preparation, the fun. I remember even now how people come to watch training. It was different than normal game. It was totally different. And even, uh, you know, for me, I didn't realise how big is that much. Maybe it was better for me because I didn't have too much pressure and stress.
0: 48 hours before the big day, 120 journalists and camera crew Turned up at the Open Day at Harlington, with the cost of exclusive interviews with players starting at £12,000. The money raised was split between a charity pool and the players. Hullett and his players also conducted press conferences in front of the assembled media, including Wise, LeBerth, Petrescu, Clark, Viali, Hughes, and Zola.
7: Now it's, uh, it's another, another game, very, very important um, for Chelsea. For- Talking about this game, and uh, you, so uh, it's, uh, it's uh, you. You can feel
11: like special uh, atmosphere. Like. I've been fortunate to play clubs that are reasonably successful, and I've got good players, as I mentioned before. And uh, if you've got good players around you, uh, you've got half a chance of being involved uh, when they when are dishing the trophies out at the end of the year. Um, uh, hopefully. Uh,
9: to the the win, win his medal. It's going to be very difficult, but uh, that's what we're all in for here. Of course, I would like to play, but uh, if uh, to play means that Chelsea uh, is losing, of course, I, I'd prefer to be on the bench all the matches, all the match. And uh, of course, I hope, uh, as I said yesterday, that Gianfranco or Sparky, they can score a hat trick and then uh, five minutes before the, ma- the end of the match, uh, the manager can uh, make them come off the pitch for a standing ovation and I can come in for five minutes, at least. It's a different side,
10: uh, it, it wouldn't be too unfair on the, the lads that played in the last match to say that this side has probably got a lot more quality and I think the last final we were then hoping to win it and I think the expectations are just a little bit higher this time yeah it's something new from
7: playing the the cup final I play in Romania but it's totally different it's not so many expectations also in Italy they are not worried about the uh, cup final they they are not interested in the Italian cup they are interested more in the championship but in England I I think uh, it's very important if you Cup and uh, I saw this this week
4: where it's uh, maybe one of the busy week, busiest week in my life. You know, I think when you arrive, when you sign, you have to say you want to win everything.
10: <laughs> did you believe
4: it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, because you're, you're a football player, you have to pay to win something. Yeah. I tell, the, I tell the truth, you know. I don't want to be a liar. I, I signed for I signed for a club. I want to win something. I was so sad because I signed for Strasbourg. I played five years. I didn't win anything, and I thought I did my I did my job, but I could win something. And I was so disappointed when I left uh, Strasbourg. But uh, for Chelsea, I think we have the the players to win uh, a lot of things. Uh, for the next four four years and uh, we have to win the final and maybe the Cup Winners
12: Cup next season. It's been a long time, 26 years since we've uh, won anything and if we can get over this first hurdle I think we can just go on to better
9: and better things but it's, it's going to be a difficult hurdle. I think that our, our season is already has been already a good season despite what happens uh, Saturday. I am very happy about the way we, are. we have played football and uh, I c- we can only go forward. So uh, I'm quite happy with, with, with the whole season.
0: On the training pitch, Hullett had injury concerns. A month before the final, the absentee list read as follows. Grodas, Jonsson, Clark, Minto, Wise, Newton, Hughes, Hitchcock, Hulitt himself, Kareen, Lee, Dubry. By the week of the final doubts remained over three crucial players. Steve Clark had problems with his back, Zola with his hamstring and thigh, and perhaps most worryingly, Dennis Wise had torn a stomach muscle and couldn't train. I knew that it needed an operation, but I had some painkillers and it was fine, the captain later admitted. Two of Burra's best were also doubts. Fabrizio Ravanelli, Gianluca Vialli's old partner in crime at Juventus, had trouble with his hamstring, while the fitness of Brazilian maestro Janinho had been questioned following the Teesiders' punishing end to the season. But both would be fit to start the game, and Hullett too was eventually able to select his best eleven. He announced his lineup at a meeting at 12.15pm on the day of the game, shortly before the coach left the team hotel for Wembley. In goal, Grodas, a back four of Sinclair, Leberth, Clark, and Minto. In midfield, Petrescu, Newton, Wise and Di Matteo. And up front, Hughes and Zola. On the bench were Hitchcock, Viali, and Myers. The latter had man mark Zola in training the Thursday before and proven to Hullett he could do the same job on Giannino if the situation required it. The decision spelled heartbreak for long-standing players Craig Burley and Erland Jonsson. They would never play for Chelsea again. Middlesbrough set out in a 4-4-1-1 formation with Giannino given freedom to play close to Ravanelli or drift out wide. Their team read as follows. Roberts, Blackmore... The captain Pearson, Fester, Fleming, Janinio, Musto, Emerson, Stamp, Hignett, Ravanelli. It was the most international final ever, with players from ten different countries in the two sides. If Chelsea were victorious, it would be for the first time in a cup final at Wembley. If Middlesbrough won, it would be their maiden triumph in the competition. And they would also become the first team to win the cup and be relegated from the top flight in the same season.
3: Chelsea team that hadn't won anything for 26 years, were favourites. That was an unusual situation for us to be in. Borough were relegated. They'd already lost a League Cup final the same season. We were better than them, but they did have a couple of players who were a real danger. Ravinelli could really turn it on. Uh, Juninho was a fantastic
0: player. The Chelsea fans descended on north-west London in their thousands, for what was being dubbed Matthew's final, in memory of Matthew Harding, who was not there to see his beloved Blues on the biggest domestic stage of all, the Chelsea fans on Wembley Way were in buoyant mood. Well, if we don't win it
11: now, we'll never win it again. Will we?
12: It's as simple as that. I'm afraid this is our easiest chance we got.
2: We
11: was here in 94, I was here in 67, I was at Old Trafford in 70 and here in, in 70. We had a long time, you know. It'd be lovely to win here Stoke as well, you know, in between. Uh, we are been a sleeping giant, but we're stirring now, you can be sure of that.
2: There's only one runner!
0: club legend Peter Osgood was also feeling confident.
13: I put in my my diary four months ago, Chelsea FA Cup final, and I'm very confident. I mean, you know, the football they've been playing, I, I liken them to a the December side, to be honest. They weren't quite consistent enough to win the league, but uh, when they turn it on, they're a different class. I mean, the, the Liverpool game was a great example of it. I mean, 2-0 down at half-time and came back and won 4-2. I mean, how many teams can score four against Liverpool in 45 minutes? So that's what we're capable of, and uh, if we turn it on today, there's not going to be a, 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 a different result to, to winning Chelsea winning.
0: For the players including Frank Sinclair, Steve Clarke, Eddie Newton and Scott Minto, emotions were mixed.
12: To get into the final and to play in that final, you know, you grow up as a kid. I'm, st- I'm old enough now where the FA Cup final was everything. You'd watch it from nine o'clock in the morning and yeah. then following the fans on the buses and have a blankety-blank versus this. And, you know, it was just, um, it was an amazing day growing up and so to, to, to play in it. Was, was truly amazing as well. And I actually felt, for some reason, very relaxed going into it. I didn't feel really? any nerve. Yeah, you know, sometimes you feel nervous of a normal league game or maybe even a pre-season game. You know, coming into this game, I just felt it was right. I wasn't
5: really as nervous as more than any other game, really. As a real confidence, as a team, I thought we were better than well But I know, obviously, that doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to win a game. But it gives you more confidence stepping into the game that you, you know, you feel that you're better than the opposition.
1: Me and obviously Eddie Newton as well, very close friends. You know, growing up at Chelsea together, um, both suffered the the painful uh, 94 Cup final so for us both to be still at the football club and still in and around playing in the team and and being involved in this cup run it it just gave us that extra bit of determination to get there and um, you know I remember even when we got to the final I was happy that we got to the final when we won the semi-final against Wimbledon at, at Highbury but I still had a sense of not achieving anything yet because there was still something for me personally to, to put right. So going into that game at Wembley, um, the most nervous I've ever been for a game just because of what was on there for me, you know, on a personal basis, um, being able to put right. Um, you know the, the situation I had in that previous final. and You never know whether you're ever going to get another opportunity to do that. So uh, bag of nerves, but at the same time, I was very confident with the with the players that I was playing with that we could
10: do the job. That was the, the normal sort of build-up. I was a big expectation, and the league season had finished, and everyone starts to focus on the FA Cup. So the build-up was good. For me, was. I was just determined, not to go through the same feelings that I'd, I'd felt in the '94 Cup Final. I remember when, when we lost that one, it, it hurt so much because I felt that my last chance had gone. So for me, it was just a, was a probably just a steely determination to, to make sure that this time we were going to win it, uh, and nothing more than that really was. I thought everybody was. What I can remember in the build-up was that everybody was completely focused on just winning the game. There are, there are a lot of outside distractions when you get to the FA Cup finals. I think as a, as a group of players, we were just focused on the game, just determined to win it.
9: I think I didn't realise, because everybody was talking about the FA Cup, what it means for people who live in, and I didn't know. And till the moment that I had to enter Wembley Stadium to go on the pitch, with your position. And then I was like, ah, now I know what it's all about.
0: Ruud Hullett was the first foreign manager to lead a team out at an FA Cup final. Before he and his players were introduced to the guests of honour, who included the Duke and Duchess of Kent, the traditional FA Cup hymn, Abide With Me, was performed by pop legend Cliff Richard. (laughs) After what had felt like an eternity, and in front of 80,000 people at Wembley and a worldwide TV audience of 400 million, it was finally time for the action to begin.
2: And immediately it's clear that Curtis Fleming is playing on the left side for Middlesbrough at left back, and Clayton Blackmore seems to have started on the right. There goes Giannino, being marked by Steve Clark. Robbie Musto battling with Dennis Wise. Now the first sign of Chelsea on the attack with Di Matteo. I
10: think it was one of the few Chelsea players to touch the ball before he actually scored, so I was was pointing to a good defender. So just standing in the middle of the pitch watching Roberto run forward.
5: just played out from the back and the ball went to Robbie and Robbie started driving with the ball and I was behind him, Hughesy was I think he was slightly to the left but in front of him, Wisey was to my right there.
1: Never in the plans was for Robbie to, to run with the ball for 30 yards. I was playing it right back at the time and I remember going on a run because we, we obviously broke play and had an opportunity to counter-attack him and I went steaming down the right-hand side screaming my head off because I thought I was in and Robbie just kept travelling with the ball and travelling with the ball and I'm running near enough alongside him but wider and just screaming for him to put me in so that I could deliver a cross which I thought was a dangerous situation and he hit the ball and it stopped me in my tracks thinking what is he doing shooting from there and when he
5: hit it I,
10: to be honest I thought he was too far out and the goalkeeper should have saved
5: it. As he was running he picked his head up and we all saw what he was going to do and we all, turned, we all shouted at the same time no because we knew he was going to shoot and we go, no! So you know, like we fought like a stupid distance to shoot. We shooting from there yeah. for, and like he just caught the
6: keeper off guard. I remember getting getting to my seat, and literally as I sat my ass down, before I, my ass could touch the seat, Di Matteo burst through, and you know, like when you're sort of sitting and standing, and so you're about to sit, you stand back up. And, nah, he's too far out. I was like, I, he's too far out. Now the first sign of Chelsea
2: on the attack with Di Matteo. Oh, and a good run up front by Hughes and Di Matteo shoots. Oh, what about this? What about this? It's possibly the quickest ever goal in a Wembley Cup final. It's Roberto Di Matteo inside 45
11: seconds.
4: I just, I, I, I took a, a, a shot. Uh, I thought I tried, and luckily the goalkeeper had a bit of a sleep, and it went in, and uh, it was, it was a good start to to the tour final, I would say. It was okay, it wasn't like the most wonderful goal, but it was okay, it was good, important. You know, obviously in the final, it's obviously, it's it's very important. And uh, I think we we were all happy with it.
5: You would have got hammered if he, if he had missed. You know, what are you doing? Calm down, just play. <laughs> and then we just went, Bernardo, he went off. He, I just remember him going off mad, he just ran off as quick as I've ever seen him run. And, uh, and like we chased him down and grabbed him and like when you celebrate I, I just remember to I, I remember holding everybody together and saying don't go I'm blowing I need, I need 30 seconds hold on just chasing that was just chasing Robbie and you see it go in
1: the roof of the net and I couldn't believe it I think I chased him for half the pitch trying to catch him from the other side of the pitch to the other where he ended up by the, uh, by the dugout side and um, it was an unbelievable start but it settled the team down massively because the pressure was on us we were
0: favourites going into the game to win it So it settled the team down. The club's fitness coach, Addy Maffei, probably wasn't the only person in the ground who missed the goal. But his reasons for doing so were probably a bit different to most. I remember I'd come out to the the dugout and Mark Hughes had said to me, Got any socks? And I ran back to the dressing
2: room to get the socks. And by the time I ran back, while I was running up the tunnel, when and Mateo scored. I was running round the field and they were all, the whole place was going mad. And I was like, oh no, we've scored right at the beginning. Oh no, we've got the whole game to go on. Oh.
6: And then I got back to my seat in the dugout and saw the rest of the game.
10: And we just, you know,
13: the rest is history.
6: He had scored goals like that before. And when it hit the back of the net, place went mad. And it, was, it just relaxed everybody. And I don't remember the rest of the game. I just remember chatting away, feeling really comfortable, thinking they would never, ever score.
4: It was like a dream, you know, the goal from Roberto after 43 seconds. I mean, pfft, uh, when I, when I show to my friends the game, I say, OK, let's see only one minute. They say, what do you want to show me you only one Because they say, you have everything in one minute. Come on. <laughs> you have the end. We come in, we start, we score, you have the crowd. So it's OK. It's, it's, yeah,
3: enough. It did take your breath away. It was astonishing. It settled everyone's nerves. We completely outnumbered the borough fans in the stadium anyway. And it was almost it was a beautiful sunny day, very warm. And when that goal went in, the confidence amongst the fans, the confidence in the players was just almost overwhelming. It just really felt like a moment of deliverance.
0: Martin Tyler was on commentary duty at Wembley that day. When he casts his mind back twenty years there's one memory in particular that stands out.
14: Roberto Di Matteo has, hopefully still has, a sister who I believe was blind, is blind, and it was quite a lot of publicity on that before the game. And my thought when he scored was less about the 42 seconds, was I hope somebody has told his sister what a wonderful moment for the family. And I was really quite emotional about it because... You know, it, 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 footballers are human beings. They have the same highs and lows in their family life, like everybody else does. They're not robots. They're not inured to um, the the difficulties that we all go through in our lives. Um, and for that to happen so early, I, I was sort of would have been more prepared for it. I think if it had happened within the game, like his goal against Biller mm. um, in the in the Cup final to come. Um, uh, That I was really almost lump in the throat, lost for quite how to put it into the right kind of because it was a record goal in in the sense of the timing, but that struck me more than that. Um, You know that that's that's my recollection of it, and that we expected Chelsea to win, but we didn't expect that. I think when I say about Robbie's goal, um, it was because of the family background. Uh, I wasn't really, re- I, I wanted that was something I, I, I was very moved by before again and so I wanted at some point in the commentary to be able to bring it in. It felt the right thing to say I'm not sure whether my bosses would have said the same thing but I'm, I, I am quite a sort of romantic about my football and about the people who play it because they're, they're wonderful guys, the game is, a, is such a an amazing amalgam of individuals and team ethics and, and the people that play it have to have all those qualities. They can't just be team players or just be individual players. I just thought it was amazing that there was a, a blind lady in that stadium, probably not the only one, but probably the only one connected with one of the teams, and that her brother, in 42 seconds, had virtually won the cup for Chelsea.
0: Three years earlier when the cup final against Man United was goalless. A dipping Gavin Peacock strike from outside the box thudded against the crossbar and bounced out. But this time, at the very same eastern end of Wembley Stadium, Di Matteo's effort kissed the underside of the bar and dipped into the net. It heightened the belief that this was Chelsea's year. There was still work to be done, though. Newton remembers Wise rallying the troops, reminding them at least 90 minutes more football had to be played before anyone could get their hands on the cup. Towards the tail end of the season, after the Blues suffered four straight league defeats, Hullet's focus turned towards making the team solid, occasionally at the expense of the free-flowing football that had so often been on display under his management. Against Middlesbrough it showed. The T-siders were reduced to very few clear chances, and when they did find a way through, the offside flag denied Gianluca Festa an equalising goal in first-half injury time. Replays show it probably should have stood. Burra also weren't helped by the withdrawal of Ravanelli through injury within 20 minutes, and Robbie Musto too before the half-hour. Janino was largely stifled, and on the one occasion he did beat a couple of men to manoeuvre himself into a dangerous position. Di Matteo cynically brought him down and earned a yellow card. In contrast, Zola's influence grew as the game wore on. One run and shot nearly produced a second goal, and then, with seven minutes remaining, he produced a final moment of magic to cap off a glorious first season in England.
8: Newton, Sinclair. Well, it's all well and good if you're calm and in control, as Chelsea seem to be, because Newton had lots of room to run into. Petrescu trying to chip it across for Zola. That's it. Eddie Newton has surely sealed the cup for Chelsea.
7: There was this cross from Dan Petrescu that uh, was just about uh, a little bit too long but uh, I believed in that and I went and uh, with back heel I just put the ball back and uh, Eddie Newton was following the goal and we scored it. But...
5: The, the key thing that Ruud Hullit always and used to always say was always behind the ball. <laughs> I was always behind the ball. <laughs> so I started the move and I brought it up, took it to, I passed it to Dan Bertrescu, continued my run, it went over to Zola, Zola back to me, back in the goal. So never in front of the ball, so it was fine tactically. I was going to run to the crowd and I went, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then I got to where Zola was, where he just flipped the ball back to me and, uh, and then Wisey, Wisey was around me and I just pumped, and I pumped really hard. Like you know, when you pump your fist, and it drained me, totally drained me. Going, I can remember going back. I was going, how long was left?" Because I, I'm, I'm exhausted here. You know what I mean? And uh, and then uh, I remember Emerson. He done a one-two round me, and I couldn't move. <laughs> I just couldn't move. I just watched him do it. I couldn't react to it. Uh, and luckily, the referee blew the whistle quite. <laughs> Thank God for that.
1: <laughs> I was pleased for him, you know, obviously because you know he had all the heartache of giving away that first penalty in the in the FA Cup final, which was at the time it was a very tight, a very tight game and could have got swung anyway. So you know there would have been a, a little bit of self-blame probably coming from his side as well. So I was pleased, as pleased as more more than anyone else, even though I knew I. I'd never live it down after that goal, sharing social times with him.
3: And from then to the end of the game, it was a sheer celebration. Of course, Gianfranco Zola produced a moment of sublime skill, a back flick that completely bamboozled the, the Borough uh, defence. And Who better than Eddie Newton, the homegrown, who had been through the, the, the web and the huddle and Porterfield days and everything like that, and now under uh, someone he hugely respected, Ruud Ullet, he scores the second goal, hoicks it in, the game is over, we've won. And at the end of the g- end of the game they stayed on the pitch for about an hour and a half to celebrate him with the fans. That's how much it meant to Chelsea football club. Push my celebrations were probably one of the first teams to start, the,
10: start of running towards their own supporters and well, I think it's fair to say that we milked it a little bit. We are we actually finished and we, we were starting to walk in and I, I, I can't remember. We back out again and said, no, no, get out there and enjoy it. And, and I think it's fair to say that we, we enjoyed the situation after the game. It has been a long time since the, the club had won a trophy. a club had won a major trophy. So it was, I think it was important for us to spend that time with the supporters and everyone just to enjoy it, remember the feeling and, and try and do it
1: again as quickly as possible. It was remarkable. You know, we, we must have stayed out there for close on to an hour, hour and a half. After the game, the, the fans stayed behind, and you had the sense of the sleeping giant had been woken.
4: I didn't win anything before coming to Chelsea, so I was like, you know, Chelsea Rico, 27 of nothing. <laughs> and, uh, and when we won, it was amazing. I didn't want to leave Wembley with the fans, the celebrations after, my parents, they were and uh, they were at the stadium with my kids, my family. It was amazing. It was really, really amazing. That was uh,
7: fantastic, especially for me, coming to England, playing at Wembley, winning the FA Cup. was uh, very, very important. And uh, in that moment, I started to, to love the club more and more because
0: uh, I have uh, this special
12: feeling with the club.
0: Captain Dennis Wise remembers an unlikely guest joining them for the celebrations.
12: It was quite funny because when we'd won the cup, there was a photo of us, of us all with a cup and there was a kid on the corner. <laughs> No-one knew who the kid was. Um, and I brought him in from the crowd and used to take him round and let him enjoy the atmosphere, take him in the dressing room after. And uh, he'll never forget it. The kids will never forget it. OK, we won a couple of trophies at the time, and, but them them couple of kids will never ever forget those days. And uh, I remember um, Gwyn coming in after the game and saying... Um, his dad's outside. I said, I'll leave his dad outside for a little while. Just let him enjoy it. And he said, No, oh, he wants his son or whatever. Like it. And I said, Let him enjoy it. And then he, Gwyn went back about ten minutes late and he remembers the dad saying, "Oh, he was." He started crying the dad, and he, he said, "Oh, you'll never give me anything more than what you've given me today." And um, and it was it was lovely. And uh, I think the dad was more more jealous of the kid, to be honest. And he wanted to throw the kid out and go in himself. <laughs> Um, And it was nice, it was nice that the the people enjoyed themselves and I wanted people to enjoy themselves.
0: When the players did finally get back to the dressing room, there were some post-match interviews to be conducted.
13: Mark Hughes, many congratulations. What's it like
0: to be in the winner's dressing room once again?
13: Well, it's magnificent.
11: um, Some players don't even get the chance to play here in a cup final, but I've I've played in five and, and I've won four times, it's magnificent.
13: Does it actually get better and better? Is this better than all the others?
11: Well I think, I think it is because every, every time you come here you always try and think well I wish I'd done that and uh, if I ever get back there I'll do this next time and uh, every time you go back you remember other things so uh, uh, I'm quite an expert now so I've had a great day.
13: Fabulous start wasn't it?
11: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a great strike by Robbie. I don't think I'd even had a touch-up to that stage, but uh, we played some good stuff first half. Um, they, they made it a little bit difficult for a second half, but uh, we always looked like we might catch him on the break, and uh, it was a great day.
13: Do you actually think it was quite an easy victory in the end?
11: Not particularly, no, no, it might have looked like that, but, um, no, uh, we we played some good stuff, we passed it well, um, and they had to change their formation, uh, maybe took a little bit away from them as attacking force, but uh, um, it's, a sh- it's a shame for Middlesbrough, they've, they've had a difficult season, uh, been involved in all the cup finals and that, but um, they'll be back.
13: That's one of the penalties of being a reporter on cup final day. Dennis Wise many congratulations
12: thank you thank you very much uh thoroughly enjoying it at the moment and i think that's what we've got to do
13: are, are you surprised that it went so well for you because it was a fantastic start wasn't it
12: yeah that's what just what we needed we were favorites and when you're favorites you need an early goal and we got an early goal magnificent strike by roberto and we just went on from there i didn't think they really looked like scoring but uh we carried on and we closed rank and then we nicked another one is this
13: actually better than when you beat Liverpool?
12: Ah, oh, it's a lot better. I've been waiting a long time for to win something with this club. You know they've waited 26 years, and uh, my, my ambition in life was to uh, when I joined it, was to win something, a major trophy, and uh, we've won one at last.
13: What does it mean now to be in Europe for you and the team?
4: Uh, for me, it's been a lot of a uh, lot of things because in France, you know, if you play Europe, it's, uh, because you're a big team. I don't think in England is the same. England is better to win the championship and or to win the cup. It's um, more important uh, than uh, to play the Europe. I'm not sure, but I believe it.
13: <laughs> Enjoy your evening. You're going to have quite a celebration, aren't you? <laughs> don't worry about that.
4: Yeah, yeah, it will be a very long, very long night and I think a very long, very long week.
13: The future for Chelsea Football Club now seems very rosy.
9: I think, uh, yeah, uh, this cup nobody can take us uh, take it away from us so this is going to be already in history today you know and uh, yeah i'm very proud of the, of the of the boys they played real good football i think it was also great to see your staff medical staff uh, uh, colin Hutchison who did perfect work for me to get the players and uh, of course mr bates that uh, done a lot of lot of good work you know and, of course, we don't have to forget Mr Harning that tragically died this year. But I think that he, spiritual, he was with us. Eddie Newton, uh, what's your reaction? You've got the medal in your hand.
5: Yeah, very delighted, obviously. Uh, it's just... Uh, <laughs> it's just uh, class to get a winner's medal.
13: And, and the goal as well? Goal, definitely. The winner's goal. Can't be that. It's priceless. Dream come true, isn't it? Because when we spoke in the week, you didn't even know whether you were really going to play and now you've scored the, the all-important second goal.
5: Yeah, of course. Uh, it was just beautiful. Put some moments away as well from the last FA Cup final and uh, can't do no better than scoring.
13: The celebrations are really going to start in the dressing room here now. Certainly am. Um, certainly am. Um, I'm just going to start spraying a few boys, you know.
0: <laughs> OK, we're going to take cover. Thanks very oh, much. To, well done. Uh, bye. Roberto Di Matteo was named the man of the match.
13: Your father was here doing commentary your sister who no longer has sight that must have been quite an emotional afternoon for both of them.
4: Yes I think so yeah I think uh, he has explained to my sister "I I scored and I'm very pleased that the high here because they have given me uh, energy and power and peace for the last week.
2: Congratulations little words to the man of the match. Thank you very much. Very Thank good you. indeed.
0: For manager and captain, the story of the Italian's blind sister stood out years later, especially for the mischievous wise.
12: I remember going back to the hotel with, um, with Robbie and all the lads and, that, and standing there, Robbie's uh, sister was there, and, and obviously she, she's blind, Robbie's sister, and I remember saying to her, um, did, did you hear, was you? and I said, do you want me to explain the goal to you, like that? And she said yes. Like that. Uh, and uh, then I went on. and I said, "Well, um, Dennis Wise picked the ball up on the halfway line, and he dribbled past one, went past two, not make the third, went round the defender, and then he went round the goalkeeper, and he put his foot on the ball, called Robbie over, and Robbie tapped it in from a yard." Like. <laughs> <laughs> and she started laughing and Robbie slapped me round the head. Uh, and that was it. It was just a silly little thing that you do. And um, it was nice because there was a nice family atmosphere between the lads. It was
9: the, one of the best days of my life. And it was, for me, so good to see because I knew that a long time we haven't won anything. And I saw the faces of the fans. I saw the faces of the of the players, and Mark Hughes telling me, you know, that you're on the end of my career, you know, we were winning this trophy, and he was so happy with it. Seeing Dennis there as Mr. Chelsea getting this trophy made, my, made me happy. You know what made me happy also? Because he has a sister. His sister's blind, and mm-hmm. she was there. And she was like, ex- you know, was was exciting about it. And so I saw her later on, also I said, how, how was it that your brother scored a goal like that? And she was like, you know, he, she was like, in ecstasy almost, you know, she was so happy for her, for her brother. So that was, these are the moments that made me
0: the happiest. The Waldorf Hotel in Aldwych was the venue for the night's festivities. The guest of honour was Pele, with the evening hosted by comedian Jimmy Tarbuck and the live music coming from Kenny Lynch. It was a, a great, momentous day, you know, it ended
1: on the icing on the cake, it was me meeting Pele at the, at the Wembley uh, final party, after party, meeting Pele, getting a picture with him, him commenting on how, how I'd played, um, was just a dream come true. He said that he thought I'd done alright. <laughs>
9: From
1: Pele you'll take that massively, so uh, I was quite happy with that.
5: Oh, I remember I was up in my room and apparently Pele came, well not apparently, he did come, uh, Pele came and, uh, and I was upstairs in my room doing something and talking to people, then I came down for the dinner, everyone, everyone was going, where, where were you, it was like, I was making phone calls. Pelé just come. Yeah, whatever. They went, no, look, they showed me all the photos. I went, no, you're lying, and not one person could ring me and tell me they'd come down, you know. (laughs) So it was like absolutely hammering me that I missed Pelé coming. Um, And then, uh, you know, obviously you enjoy the night as everybody does.
4: When we had the party, um, Pelé came to the party. And I have picture with Rud Gullit on the, on, my, on the side and Pele on the other side. <laughs> wow, f- was pretty, you know, uh, stressful. And Pele came, kissed me, kissed me, you know, and say, Frank, you know, when I see you playing, I feel good. And I said, OK, you know what, don't add anything, just leave, it's perfect. <laughs> wow, it was great. And Rud Gullit said, pretty good day for you, eh, my man. He yeah,
0: yeah. After 26 years without seeing their team win a major trophy, the Chelsea fans had special cause for some serious celebration. Trevor Nelson was one of them.
6: I remember all the celebrations. <laughs> I, I ran a club called um, Club Yo-Yo in Holborn on a Saturday night and I DJed there every year. And that and I never missed it. I, I, wouldn't, I don't like people... I don't like missing my gigs. So obviously I had to DJ that night, win, lose or draw. But for some reason... The warm-up DJ ended up doing the whole night because I ended up driving around London, f- flags out of the car, up and down the Kings Road, Fulham Road, we drove all the way back and we just drove around central London like cheesy, touristy football fans, really sad. I, if I saw them doing it, I'd shut up, blowing our horns, it was like that. And then I, I had my all my Chelsea gear on, you know, I'm not one to wear the shirt to the games often, but... Cup final, you kind of do, you have to, and um, walked into the pack club with a flag, with my shirt on, bit drunk, waving it around, In the, load of Arsenal and Tottenham fans in there, waving it around, walked up to the DJ said, you're on all night mate, and I just walked out and <laughs> continued, <laughs> so I just, you know, for once I was unprofessional, it, I, for me it still is the, the, the most naturally happy I've ever been supporting Chelsea, winning that FA Cup.
0: The following morning, at about 11 o'clock, the players emerged from the Waldorf, understandably looking a little worse for wear. Ruth Harding, Matthew's widow, was with them.
7: It was a brilliant day, probably the best day of my life, I think.
0: What do you think it would have meant to, to Matthew? What, what happened best day
7: when... of his
11: life as well.
0: There were plenty of Chelsea fans on the Strand to wave the bus off. It headed around Trafalgar Square, past Whitehall and then along the embankment, before turning into the Fulham Road.
5: You know, you're a bit hungover... And uh, then I remember when we made our way, and like was on top, and everyone's just talking, and you know the wives and partners were on the on the on the bus with us, and everyone's talking. And all of a sudden we turned the corner, and couldn't see the pavement. And I think everybody's on the bus just went like that, like they literally jaws dropped. I mean it was incredible. I mean, obviously I've seen some other sites since, but that was the first time I'd ever seen something like that I mean a sea of blue and white and I mean it was just like you just could see it just waving and like I think some of the the partners like kind of got a little bit because it was so so thin for them you know uh, and like we was like wow incredible incredible scenes incredible scenes and like obviously the the, the loads of um, celery flying in and everything uh, but no, it was great. Uh, the
7: celebration were magnif- magnificent. I always repeat. Uh, they, they, they asked me so many times what was the best moment, and I kept re- saying that, uh, you know, winning the first FA Cup uh, ball, you know, the day after the, the, the winning the cup, uh, going on the Fulham Road with all the crowd, and there was uh, was uh, was amazing. And uh, no, honestly, I wasn't prepared for anything like that, and uh, my family had no words to this you know, to describe that.
4: I always remember the picture of my father passed away, but I, I have that pitch, the, the, the picture in my head where I see my father in the middle of the crowd in the Fulham Road, you know, the day after. And uh, I, I always have something
0: special in my heart when I remember that day. The reception, noise, colour and size of a crowd estimated to number 100,000 people was utterly overwhelming.
2: Been supported for 30-odd years, well worth it. Excellent,
13: excellent. I did 27 years, it's terrific. I don't think I'll sleep for a week. Chelsea fans have
2: actually got something to celebrate and I think it's on behalf of Matthew Harding, we are all here
7: today.
0: A select few fans joined the players afterwards at Fulham Town Hall where the local mayor hosted a reception for the triumphant Blues squad. Their achievements at Wembley the day before and earlier on in the epic cup run had short- and long-term ramifications. The frustrations and heartaches of much of the previous quarter of a century had been laid to rest. And the victory triggered the glut of trophies and two decades of success Chelsea Football Club has enjoyed ever since. The FA
10: Cup was, was special, I think. It was, it was time for the club to, to win something else for a different generation of supporters to, to see the club being successful. And, and to move on from the team in the 70s that... They were
5: marvellous in their own right, but every generation needs to see the team being successful and I think that was, that was what we achieved with that, with that Chelsea team. It was great because when I first came to Chelsea I just didn't understand the mentality and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, I really don't. But I had won trophies ever since a little boy, so all I knew is how to win. Um, whatever club I played for, school, club, whatever. And then I come to Chelsea and I haven't won nothing. And I couldn't wrap my head around it. And, uh, and then finally we got to a final in 94, got close. Then 97, again, we got to a cup final. Okay, now we've won one. And then I said, right, finally, you know, now we're starting to do what you're meant to do, you know? Uh, and 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 this is and, and then the momentum built from there. Really, you gotta remember. I grew up in a I grew up in an era where all I heard was the seventies boys, uh, and and fair play. Uh, they they deserve their props. They they done some good stuff, you know, and, and they deserve their props. But you know, when you're playing and all you can hear is about uh, the seventies, the seventies, the boys in the seventies. You know, we finally broke the hoodoo and just said, no, hey yo, we've won a cup now, you know what I mean? And then like, then we won another one, then we won another one, and uh, we pushed on and pushed on and pushed on. But it was good just that we broke the hoodoo uh, of the 70s boys and saying that actually our era produced, you know what I mean? And it wasn't a forgotten era. It's not just about the individuals that everyone liked.
3: It was a team that won things, so it was great. And this was, if you like, when New Chelsea was stamped on the club. That moment, that proud moment of seeing the first black manager to lift the FA Cup, to see someone who led the team with such dignity, to see players with such great skill and virtuosity and organisation and everything else. A proper, proper team. Not someone punching above their weight but real contenders. And I think that's where you can say Chelsea arrived.
14: You tend to think of Chelsea as they are now, only from Jose Mourinho arrival in 2004. That would be wrong. And the years between, so 96 at the start of this season, and the, the eight years, were, were full of signs and trophies. It was the old musical gag, variety theatres around the world, you know, that, that it was only the death taxes and that Chelsea would let you down with, with a three certainties in life, you know? Well, this Chelsea weren't going to let anybody down and that's continued uh, to the amazing football institution that they've become.
0: Blue Days is a Chelsea Football Club production written and narrated by Rupert Kane and co-produced by Stephen King and Rupert Kane. Later this month, a very special book will be released featuring interviews with all the stars who played their part on that heady May afternoon in 1997. Blue Day, The Heroes' Stories, is written by Richard Godden. He tracked down the men who made history and spoke to them about their Chelsea memories and how fate and fortune have treated them ever since. It's an entertaining, revealing and unique book that will appeal to blues fans young and old. So keep your eyes peeled for when it hits the stores and check the official Chelsea website for the latest release dates.